Hi, I'm Ken Napsok, host of Watching Thrones. To watch this episode live and get to call in and chat with us about Game of Thrones, sign up today for a free trial membership at ScreenJunkies.com. And welcome to Watching Thrones. Let's all have a group hug. Let's all come in together and work through this. This has uh, been an emotional day. Uh, and, uh, evening into morning, here's Game of Thrones fans gather to mourn one of their favorites, a person who has been with us since season one, episode one. I'm Kat Napsok here for another edition of Watching Thrones. Michelle, we're going to get through this. I'm wearing my waterproof mascara on purpose. <laughs> Good choice. But Michelle I mean... Boyd, as always, is here to join us as we break down season five, uh, season six, episode five of Watching Thrones, The Door. We all wonder what that meant. Well, we know now. And to help us break it down, as always, Spencer. Gilbert is here. Wore my waterproof mascara as well. Uh, he held that door. I did not hold my tears, man. And then last week, Michelle and Trisha happened to wear the same dress. And oh, now, yeah. And so yeah. did we. <laughs> the North better remember. One of these days. The North better remember. Guys, we have a very special guest joining us today in the fourth seat to help us break down, but also get some great insight into some of the uh, the languages of Westeros and Essos. It is David J. Peterson joining us. Now, you are a writer, an artist, and a conlanger, which yeah. means you create languages. Yeah, that's what and I do. you have created the Dothraki language, mm -hmm. Valerian, high and low, yep. and uh, some stuff for the children we maybe didn't get to hear, but I want to hear some stuff from you. You, you're the one, you've done it, man. You've given us a language <laughs> to understand and learn. You've brought these characters to life in a way. Yeah, and it's honestly, it's just been a ton of fun. I mean, it started out with, with Dothraki, and you know, the funny thing was, the second that they announced that I was going to be creating the Dothraki language, uh, there was a forum over on the uh, Westeros forums. I'm sorry, there was a post on the Westeros forums. And I think it was three posts in. Somebody said, all right, that, that's cool that they're going to do Dothraki, but are they going to do Valerian? Yeah. <laughs> like, so, I have to ask, did, did anyone just ask you, like, look, we want Westerosi Klingon? Is that what we're <laughs> like? What were the parameters that they asked? in that sort of thing. Well, for Dothraki, it was a little different. So I wasn't, uh, I wasn't actually hired directly. Uh, the way it worked was they, uh, uh, Dave and Dan contract, contracted the Language Creation Society okay. who put together a competition. And so um, it wasn't so much that, you know, I was saying, all right, well, you guys want this, this, and this, so what do you think of this? It was more like there were 40 of us competing and we were all creating our version, and they decided which one they liked best. Wow. And we're like, give me 40 different words for horse and rape. <laughs> <laughs> so that means though, you were victorious, and you have not cut your braid then. No. You're still going strong. <laughs> Guys, David is here. We're going to get a lot more from him about the languages and the creation process and, and again, how we got there. But we have a, a very big show to break down. We're all here to dive on in. And there's uh, we always try to start with a top story. But honestly, for me, there's they're all top stories this week. There <laughs> so much stuff this episode absolutely left me dizzy how did you guys feel coming out of this episode spencer well i loved it um i think that as a book reader i'm in like true uncertain territory uncertain waters that was a death i had no idea what was coming and was so emotionally effective and they've been building up to i didn't know that they were building up to the right. meaning behind his name so it was a great reveal and i think that's the top story for me obviously yeah. is holding that door Holding that door. Michelle, you? I, mean, I got some texts from you. Oh, my gosh. So many just crying emojis. Uh, I, you know, about halfway through the show, I thought it was going to be a lot more set up. And I'm like, oh, okay, we're doing another one of these episodes. And then we started getting into the origin stories of the White Walkers. We started getting into Hodor. I'm just like, oh, my God, what is happening? Like, just to end on that kind of, like high, painful, <laughs> crying note. Yeah. Uh, it was just, it was such a memorable episode. And David, for you, who mm. probably had some insight into this episode going in, obviously, maybe knowing what's coming down the pipeline, how did you like the execution of it, and, and how did you emotionally react to this episode? Uh, well, you know, I actually had something to do with that, um, because when I saw the original script, uh, Mira was just saying, um, 
please keep them at bay for a while while we make good our escape. And I said, guys, no, no, I got an idea. Wow. Yeah. Guys, what about this? Yeah, but uh, but yeah, actually, originally for that scene, uh, yeah. that entire scene, so yeah. where, where we see the whole thing and we see the origin of the, of the children of the forest, uh, they actually uh, they hired me to create a full language uh, for the children for the of the children. forest, Ooh. the true tongue. Mm, uh, ah. Which I did, and there were about uh, 17 lines that were going to be in there. Everything that the, that, the, that the children of the forest was saying, it was all going to be in their own language. But uh, I don't know, I guess at the last second they just, uh, they just decided, nah, it's just Can you uh, say any English. of those lines? What does the children of the forest Shit. language sound like? I mean, <laughs> I could have if yeah, I had never heard me. Without giving away maybe things you can from good. that scene or something yeah. like that, would, would them speaking in their language given us a little bit more insight into that moment or would have just kind of played the same? I think on uh, no, I think the scene was pretty much exactly the same. Okay. Uh, so I think it, it just would have added uh, subtitles, and maybe that was why they decided. They just decided they wanted people's eyes elsewhere. Right. Um, but uh, there was going to be a lot of background stuff that probably wouldn't have been subtitled. But then there was going to be uh, some of the things that they said um, that we actually heard would have just been subtitled. Gotcha. So I I think maybe that was the decision. I mean I don't know for sure, but you know there was so much else going on, and there was a lot of action in that scene. Right. They just wanted people to be focusing on it. I, and that's that's probably true. It's probably something that, hey, sometimes revealing too much takes away some of the fun and mystery of that. You're being uh, very gracious. Now there's probably some binder full of like every <laughs> single word in their language you're just throwing down a shredder now. <laughs> well, pretty much. I mean, but this is not the first or second uh, time this has happened in the show. Right. You know, I created a, a language for the White Walkers and, uh, <gasps> and the Ashai language. Cool. Oh, yeah. Oh, was, really? But yeah, it's possible was, those are going to come back. Yeah, maybe. I mean, we don't know. Mm, yeah, you never know. That could still be used. Yeah. Well, that's fascinating to me because Ashai has some secrets in that land that I think are going to factor into the end game here. It seems to be very important. So the fact that that was needed, that's that's intriguing to me. Yeah. I'm going to nerd out and maybe corner you outside. <laughs> Guys, let's dive in really to the moment with Hordor, the last 10, 15 minutes of this mm. episode. Uh, something that we didn't expect, but maybe we saw kind of coming. And yeah, uh, on, on Twitter, guys, hashtag Watch and Thrones. You can join the conversation. Uh, Tara Love Heiko uh, checks in. Why was there a door at the Weirwood Tree? We're all wondering who the contractor was that came out <laughs> and built things. But there's a door there, right? The children probably did that. If they can create the White Walkers, I think they can build a door. Um, Spencer, this scene is just how it played out. The flashback, flashback coming back, tying in. Yeah. I'm dizzy, man. Help me go through this. Well, if you want to include like the flashback too, at the same time, I mean, they pack so much into these last ten minutes that yeah. my head was spinning. There's like a zombie uh, gangbang coming after them, and there's like it turns out that they're afraid of fire, but also obsidian spears can go through the kings of the White Walkers. And then we're back in time. We're forward in time. Is time a flat circle? Is this true, Detective? Uh, do we have to talk about causality? And and does A come before B? Did Brand cause or finish this storyline? Right. <laughs> Uh, it when hurts. did Bran become uh, Marty McFly? <laughs> yeah, just, he became I, Marty McFly, but it it's like this he whole can't. Paradox loop thing. It's a total yeah. paradox loop because he played. I just uh, I hate talking about time travel so much, almost more than I hate talking. Hang about on, magic. no, I got you. Okay, uh, I love talking about time travel, so oh, I'm all over perfect. this. Thank you. So that, okay, what I did what I did like about this because what I I was afraid that the show was going to take this in a direction of like Bran being able to go back and actually change things. And the thing is, is like yes, he can affect the past, but the but he's idea already affected the, the past. idea is that it's already happened. Like this this whole mm -hmm. thing, it, it kind of comes into the idea of fate and like look, you can't actually go back and change things and create an alternate timeline because that would waste five seasons, six seasons, and mm -hmm. we would all be pissed. Or add five or six spinoffs. Uh, I would right. be okay with that, maybe. <laughs> but I, at least, like, I do enjoy seeing all of these things that Bran has affected, mm -hmm. and even with the tragic results, it's still really interesting. And I love that George R. R. Martin has actually had these ideas all the way back in episode one, all the way back in the book one, and that you're just now seeing right. it all come to fruition. It was also interesting, the director's episode, Jack Bender, was one of the directors of Lost. So they, they grabbed the guy with some time travel, time, uh, time lines. Now fill me with confidence that we're going to get good well, payoffs The here. North is only purgatory. It's fine. <laughs> Just all until the end. David, how did you react to well, all that? Well, let me tell you one of the things that I really loved best about this. There was, um, you know, there's this scene in the Iliad where Hector is with his wife and his child, the Styanax, and he's basically saying, uh, the, the Achaeans are coming and Hector is going to go off to fight them, knowing full well that he is going to die. And his son says, why are you doing this? Why don't we just, why don't you just escape if you know that this is going to happen? And he says to his son, son, 
when it comes to being heroic, sometimes it means knowing that something bad is going to happen, but going to do it anyway and performing it to the best of your ability possible. Mm -hmm. And that's what I saw with that scene with Hodor. I thought it was just so beautiful that basically he kind of knew this whole thing, it was coming. He didn't know when precisely, right. but at this, mm -hmm. but the time it's happening, he figures mm -hmm. out, okay, it's now. Yeah. And he still just does it to the best of his ability to just try to Surfs give him a his shot. Role, which is, yeah, absolutely, there was some, some bittersweet, some, some poetry to this. Bran realizing it was him all along in a weird way. Uh. So let's actually break down to that moment because there's mm -hmm. some discussions going on online about, um, you know, I, obviously Bran warred into Hodor at that point. In the past. In the past. In the, past. In the present. Sort of like a relay point. Mira was saying, kind of. hey, Worg and Hodor, Three-Eyed Raven, Brendan Rivers saying, listen to your friend. So... All that kind of converges into this uh, <laughs> old Willis having a seizure there um, as, as we're watching it here on the screen, too, now. Watching this he, moment. Boom. Yeah, and he okay. just, so he kind of, ha so from what I understood, and I had to watch it a few times, and this is why I don't feel I got the full emotional effect the first time, because I was still trying to figure out, like, did he what work it to himself? Yeah, yeah. Did he time travel? I don't, what's going, can he work now? Right. And I guess, and like, because... Bran was still in the past, and he was warging into Hodor in the future that, yeah, the past Hodor kind of caught a little bit of feedback right. and kind of got his own, obviously the Some vision of his own future and of his own death, and that being the right. event that then caused him to totally mentally break. Yeah, and yeah. also, him in the future, he... He, he regained his sensibility back yeah. for, for a little bit as he was holding the door. That, oh, that, that was a question, too. That, that is a like question. That. I, that's the question I have, and I was discussing with some friends uh, offline last night. It was, uh, yeah, I definitely believe Brand starts this as a, as a warging incident thing, but at some point to me, that is Hodor, Willis, realizing what he's doing. He has this moment that, that he, yeah. he's serving this purpose, and it maybe all comes together. Spencer, you... Yeah, man. shaking I mean, head, lost in time travel. Look, uh, you call it bittersweet. I don't see the sweetness in this. No. Uh, I see uh, his entire life was ruined so he could do <laughs> the job of a stout piece of wood. Um, so he could be a brand pack mule, basically. I feel like there was maybe a better vision or a better way this could have been taken care of to maybe put a, you know, some reinforce the door instead of <laughs> making this guy go through his entire life thought of as a simpleton and right. eventually just be thrown into this situation to save a highborn person that he just mm. had to fall on the zombie horde for. Yeah. Uh, it was tragic to me. Tra Extra tragic. Tragic. Is, is well, actually, the thing that I was thinking is, you know, about the, the gate under the wall mm -hmm. and how there's some sort mm -hmm. of enchantment on it and the... Yep, uh -huh. that's... I couldn't do the same thing with that door. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't dare. Um, well, they yeah. kind of did, but the idea is that Bran now has the Night King mark, so any magic that would have kept these whites in or out is now broken, at least for the tree. And okay. that gets into, you know, a so thing of, does that now uh, pertain to the wall? Well, mm -hmm. and, and the time travel thing, a lot of people on Twitter, yeah. we got John Stapp saying, now that Bran can affect the timeline, could he cause the Mad King Ares uh, to have gone mad? A uh, laser reviewer says, do you think the Three-Eyed Raven could have been old Bran coming back to train his younger self. Maya Patton checks in. So everything is Bran's fault? Yeah. Question mark? And here's what the, the Pandora's box that is now open. And I, I for one, am okay with it because I'm intrigued. I have no idea what's going on. But I'm but totally Spencer, okay with the hashtag all Bran's fault. All uh, Bran's fault? Yeah. All Bran's fault. It's an interesting move to make Bran the one that was ruining the show by being so boring to now ruining the show actively by taking mm -hmm. an active role in ruining everyone else's life. So Bran ruins everything. I agree. <laughs> you're, you're not on Team Bran, huh? You're not I wasn't on Team Bran. Before, I, you yeah, were. Yeah. I was just bored by Bran before because sure. it, it was a long walk. Um, and now... Well, you uh, got him back. <laughs> and we got him back and he's making the most of his time, man. Oh, man. And then let's talk a little bit about the Night King, or as, as yes. they call him now. I, I still refer to him as the Night's King in my, my weird world. And they're sitting over there staring at you guys. Uh, <laughs> no longer about come at me, bro. It is now I'm coming after you. And he's got a little bit of a tracking device. Can we break down and analyze the, the mark of the Night King here? Do we think Bran's now marked and tracked? That's the thing. Like, does it matter that he was in the tree when the Night King marked him? And that's why that particular magic is broken? Does this mean he can no longer cross the wall? Does he have to stay north? Or is that magic going to be broken? This I is mean... why magic is bullshit. Because you can <laughs> make the rules up as you go along. I mean, that's why it's awesome. <laughs> who knows? Who cares? Is my David, we need to know your stance on magic. <sighs> All right. So... <laughs> it, this is so tough because it's clear that things are happening that cannot be explained. Right. Uh, it's clear that the, the, the magic has to be real in some sense, but I think I'm 
personally going to be really, really disappointed if we get to the end of this and then it turns out like, oh, yeah, one of those gods was real and like he, he's going to come down and show himself at the end and say, okay, yeah, I did all these things. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and now that they've been done and everything is set right, I'm going to go away and magic is gone. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand. It, especially going back to first season, stuff that grabbed a lot of us was the political intrigue and the, and, and the human uh, morality play going on. I fell in love with the show because it was demythologizing mythology. It was right. saying, oh, all these mm-hmm. things that are kings and queens and gods and uh, predestination and the one who's chosen is actually bullshit and it's just human beings uh, trying to get along. I do have to admit, I'm going to be kind of pissed if they start going through all of these different events in the book and saying, oh yeah, all of that happened because Bran went back and influenced something. Like, no, like, okay, fine, you have time travel. Can we please, please use it sparingly? Like, I don't Mm -hmm. like the fact that um, people are bringing up the idea of Eris going mad because Bran was whispering to him. Like, no, the Targaryens had a whole history of madness. Like, it Mm -hmm. it was just that side of the coin for Eris, I hope. Mm -hmm. I really hope it's not going to be one thing after another of Bran going back and influencing (laughs) stuff, because that piss me off. I understand that point. A lot of people out there having that, having that view here. And we're going to also get some calls here soon. You can uh, Skype into us at uh, SJ Plus Live. And uh, as we continue to break this down, a lot of people, just the reaction to of Hodor himself, a, a beloved character, and some are going too in this thing. The uh, dire wolves are dropping. These, that was time to be a wolf. That was two tough moments. Yeah. I know a lot of people broke breaking down in tears last night. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. just so sad. It just seemed so kind of fruitless. Like, yeah, yeah he held them off for a minute, but I mean, Leaf took him out with a fireball the next yeah. minute. Did, did they really need those well, extra you, seconds? You pull back the production curtain, and it's like, well, every time a direwolf's on screen, it's a uh, you know sixty thousand yeah, dollars to animate. CGI. So uh, maybe this is when summer just takes a leap uh, into uh, yeah. yeah, it would have been nice if there was a bit more purpose to it, but R.I.P. Summer. Yeah, Summer's gone. Now we got two left now. We're left with Ghost and Nymeria somewhere in the wilderness. Uh, we were talking off-screen. I'll give credit to Lon to this, who uh, our, our main researcher in the booth there uh, at Lon's, if you want to follow his sage advice, saying that somewhere uh, Benjen, Gendry, and Nymeria are just having some drinks, right? <laughs> <laughs> right up, yeah, just doing that yep. there. Just chilling. Me, like, I like um, that. Should we let anyone know we're here? Nope. <laughs> Question for you, Spencer's coming on Twitter here at hashtag Watching Thrones. Ollie Lindquist asks, "Can you ask Spencer why he hates magic? I thought he was a Potterhead." Oh well, different series, you know. Uh, what? Obviously, different series. I mean, Harry Potter is where I go to escape, and Game of Thrones is where I go to for real reaffirm life? my cynicism. Yeah, is <laughs> where, where I go to see. I think it's actually affected. I was thinking about this is because I always watch Veep right after Game of Thrones, yeah. so I see the inner workings of a government of people vying for a White House instead of an Iron Throne, and I just think that that's so much more interesting to me. Is uh, is this? past that we idealized, the Renaissance, not the Renaissance, uh, the Middle Ages, uh, kings and queens and Renaissance fairs uh, Mm -hmm. that we're all playing is like, oh, it's so fun and so nice and smoked meats and ale. And it's actually just people being horrible to each other. That's what I fell in love with. Um, And all the magic (laughs) is taking that away from me. Still a good show, just a different show than the one I started I want the Veep version of The Red Wedding. I want that to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Just you come in and everyone's slaughtered. In so, Harry Potter. Like, great. I, I hope, uh, I hope that, that answered your that. question out there. And uh, more questions in here. Want to, uh, Donnell at TX Film, Film, Film Fatale asks, uh, I think Brand's guilt is going to cause him to go back in the past and try to change it. Is that when we start maybe losing hmm. it a little bit with too much time travel? Well, be a weird lesson to take from that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like, then, it, then it starts turning into, like, well, do different weirwoods show you different memories at different times? Like, or can you just one weirwood and you can go literally everywhere. Like, right. I don't... I, 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 he was still downloading information when they took him out sure. of the tree, right? I don't even know what was happening there. Yeah, yeah I, it's I, on a little USB stick. Yeah, no, yeah. I think that was that was the thread Raven going, all right, we got we to gotta rush job this. Plunk it in, here we go. Yeah, my understanding, yeah, absolutely, is that, uh, you know, the weirwoods were all through the land of Westeros and the, the war of the children and the first men kind of caused those to be cut down, moved up north, so to speak. So, yeah, that that's a, a method of transportation mm-hmm. for He could just uh, literally brand. plug into any other weirwood hotspot and he'd be I do want to talk about the children. Guys, I, I get it. There's so many. Uh, there's we could, We're going to keep talking about this. This episode, normally I format things all night. This one's kind of loose because a lot of things <laughs> happen. We're going to be jumping around. But I do want to get to the children of the forest creating the White Walkers, which might be the biggest revelation on the show yet. We're still waiting for the rest of that Tower of Joy vision. We may not get, um, uh, unless Bran's doing it by himself and really changing things. The children of the forest creating the White Walkers... Uh, whether that show or book, George uh, hasn't come out and 
and said, or there's been no interviews from HBO saying, yeah, he said that too, because they had to clarify the Hodor thing, which uh, we as book readers sometimes need to be like, oh, George George created that. Okay, good. I can accept it. Mm. Um, this was a big reveal, correct, Michelle? Huge reveal. This came out of nowhere. We had no yeah. idea that the Children of the Forest had anything to do with creating the White Walkers. <laughs> and obviously, and for that, even, uh, you know, possibly using dragon, uh, some dragon glass to create them. Maybe that's why the, that's the only thing that can kill, kill them. them. And mm-hmm. if I, and if I, when I was looking it up, if I know correctly, um, this is the guy who plays the Night's King. It is the same so actor. It's the same actor. At least, no, I mean, I assume that means yeah. that in theory... That means that was the creation of the Night King, but well, we don't know and that one of the for, big, for sure. Big questions debated off and on for years now: Is there one Night Night's King? Is there several? Is it is a title handled down? You know, you're picking them up, and that's the same actor. It could be an answer, could not be, but it could yeah. just be something. It could doing be the show there. diverging from what the book is going to be yeah. putting as the history of the Night King. So who knows? Yeah, but the, uh, but that's to me a fascinating reveal because uh, of uh, the ramifications uh, of what it is. David, from your perspective, and someone you know, you saw that scene on paper probably unfolding. Uh, can you take us through a little bit of what you think about that scene in that moment? Song of Ice and Fire. Makes mm-hmm. sense. It, it makes it actually made a lot more sense to me once once I saw it. Because I was like, all right, all right. They you know they created these things, but obviously they're not going to create a, a nuke without the you know antidote to it. So right. it seems uh-huh. like all right. Well, so yeah, that's and that's why this whole thing about dragon glass and obsidian is there. Mm-hmm. It seems like, like a pretty it, crappy nuke. I, well, <laughs> it's just like it's it's like we created these guys. They're going to take care of everybody and and wipe them all out. And then when they're done, it's like, oh, we're going to be stuck with all these guys. And I don't know. We'll just go and wipe them out one by one. Wow, kind of okay. sucks for that first dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I do. I like that take on it there. Yeah, uh, and and that's Lee herself uh, uh, creating the thing that would eventually be her downfall as well. Or, or uh, Spencer, you, the Night King, where are you standing? Well, um, I guess I do like that uh, uh, it's tied into the ancient history of this thing. I imagine that this moment was really confusing to show only people because yeah. there's been a l- very little mention, actually in the books too, uh, of like the children of the forest and the history between these two waves of invasions, one from the first men and then the other yeah. from the Andals and stuff like that. So. I, I liked it. It was cool for me, but I've like read the stupid, uh, you know, dictionary <laughs> things behind, yeah. behind the, the book, so I have a feeling that this wouldn't play as well. I'd be curious to find out uh, for mm. people who just watched the show. Yeah, absolutely. And some people are tweeting, like Boyce Strobel on Twitter says, but why is the Children of the Force creating them important? I don't get that. Why that would be a big deal. Uh, as best I can explain it, it is a giant mystery, and, and who these creatures are. There's there's theories fans have that maybe they're part of alien races mm. that came down, and that's why a shy over there, the shadow, uh, uh, it might be important too because there's something behind the creation of that uh, land and world, and there's all these big questions that we have, and so it's all the answer is going to be anticlimactic no matter what it is. It's like oh, it's the children, but for me, it was like a punch on the chin and early in a boxing ma- match, and I spent the rest of the episode going, wait, wait, wait. It ended. I grabbed my World of Ice and Fire book yeah. and I just started reading it. Uh, Dawn Age, uh, Age, so of Age of Heroes, Heroes, I know, Zora High, and what? Uh, Brand the Builder. When? Yeah. When? Okay. When? 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 Yeah. And so and and there is a uh, well, I, Michelle, can you take us through a little, a little bit? A little bit, yeah. So I, you know, this is just sort of like mini history lesson. So mini Maester lesson, guys, because uh, all of this happened thousands and thousands. Thousands and thousands of years ago. Um, so, like 12,000 years ago, first men come into Westeros and they battle with the children of the forest. That goes on for like 2,000 years. And then uh, they come to a peace called the Pact uh, between the first men and the children of the forest. Uh, by the way, the first men start adopting the religion, like worshiping the trees and the old god. But apparently, now according to the show, in there sometime, the children of the forest created these white walkers. Now, that didn't come up until 2,000 years after the Pact when the Long Night happened and the White Walkers come down, wipe out almost everything in Westeros, and were eventually beaten back by both the First Men and the Children of the Forest. Uh, and that's when Bran the Builder came in, where Azor High came in, where the Wall got built, uh, and where Bran the Builder founds Winterfell and founds House Stark and becomes the first king in the North. Uh, so they kind of all came together and just beat back these White Walkers. Um, and then there was a second invasion, like Spencer mentioned, uh, 6,000 years ago, where the Andals came in. And it was, a, a guess, basically another race of men came in, again, kind of went through raping and pillaging and taking down all the weirwood trees. And this time it kind of stuck. And this is where the Faith of the Seven came over. And then you've had the Faith of the Seven throughout Westeros, throughout pretty much up until now. Yeah. That was it. Mini well, history lesson. That's about it. 
So it's still confusing. So those, <laughs> those weird little elf. Yeah, it is. It is kind of still. There's still so many questions. This yeah. is about the origin of the world. We are going to take a call. If we got one set up there, long, we got a caller checking on in now. Um, so uh, hey, welcome to Watching Thrones. Hey, it Hi. is Jack. Jack Shipley calling in. Jack, you got in. I saw your tweet. You're pestering me. You got on. You're skyped in live here on Watching Thrones. What's oh, on your mind? Oh, guys, you had to show that Hodor clip again, man. Yeah. Oh. Punch it right uh, in the gut. Let's 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 bring it a little light real quick and just show the greatest part of the episode. Yeah. This oh, yeah. <laughs> we we will yes. be discussing that. We That's will awesome. be discussing um, that. But, uh, Tormund and his little smile. You know, I was wondering if the children uh, when they were making the king, if that's Benjen Stark. Uh, huh. And that I don't think the time. Well, the, which Benjen, right? What do you mean, which well, Benjen? We, well, the, we yeah. don't know necessarily. Uh, um, or uh, Benjen Stark is is Ned's brother, right? Yeah. Who is yes. a, but there's also Watchmen. yeah, there's also a Benjen at the very very front of the line that uh, you could be referencing. That's why I think we're clarifying. Well, I, I mean the one at the beginning of the show who's like, oh, I'm yeah. going to go to the north with you, and then I'm going to go ranging. The, we the have moody a, uncle, yes. <laughs> we don't know necessarily that that scene took place long ago. We don't know how long the Night King has actually been around. And it's possible that that scene that he witnessed is actually a recent scene where Benjen Stark is being made into uh, the Night King. We don't know that for sure, but there's no evidence to suggest that it's not either. Well, they're pretty. I mean, at least the actor that they pushed the dragon glass into obviously is not the same actor that right. played Benjen. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, since Dario is different, you know, and the oh, yeah. <laughs> that would be fun. Oh yes, man, men can wear many faces. Maybe it's a faceless man that they threw up against a tree. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's the Night King legend has been around for so long. Like there was it it it, it like originally he was supposed to be like the thirteenth Lord Commander of the Night's Watch. That was one legend of how he came about. So I think like the idea of the Night King has been around for longer than this present day Benjamin Stark. Right. It would seem unlikely. That, yeah. Do you think with Bran? Do you think with Bran? He's because we just what we saw was that the timeline is is actually set, and he didn't change the timeline. He fulfilled the timeline. Correct. Right. Yeah. You know, and so I'm wondering if it's not so much that we're going to see Bran interfering. Like from his perspective, he'll be interfering. But really, what he's doing is fulfilling moments in time that he's already been a part of. And we're just going to witness it because he'll have this ability now, and all these pieces will kind of like bump up into place. Absolutely, yeah. it is the past is already written; the ink is dry, is what the, the Raven uh, says. So, yeah, it, that it's a, it's like limited time travel affecting type. It's like, but again, it's a it's a chicken egg thing situation. Spencer's banging his head against his microphone because it takes us into a lot of different. But if areas. I was Brad, I'd be a little scared to do anything. I'd be like, wow, my life kind of sucks right now. So it seems like if I go back, I'm just going to be making all that happen. Yeah, Forget yeah. If he didn't this. learn his lesson because he literally ruined everything. Yeah, just yeah. the entire world in uh, this of a show. So if he hasn't learned his lesson yet, I'll be really. Frustrated. I love your yeah, I subtle simmering contempt for Brad. It's one of my favorite. No, He's Jack, a great kid. Yeah. We made the actor yeah. came yeah, totally, in. Good guy. That. Jack, I have a question for like you Bran because there, there is speculation now with the time travel thing of Bran actually going back and being like Bran the Builder uh, and or influencing Mad King Eris. Do you think any of that is going to happen? Well, I you know, not. it's weird because if you think about it too, then that means like, you know, Ned names his son after himself because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's like, yeah. oh, I named you after Bran the Builder. Well, I am Bran the Builder. <laughs> I yep. went back in time. This, I don't be. think... It's just like I don't Fry. think it's going to go that way. I think there's another there's another path that we're going to see. I think the Three-Eyed Raven wasn't necessarily sending him back to influence time, but to show him how he'd be important to the time to come. Uh, I, I hope they don't go. I hope they don't really just start rewriting all the history no. and make every single no. thing. I don't think they will. I think this all ends with uh, Marty McFly at a concert, but I think we'll be all right. Uh, it does get confusing. Jack, thanks so much for the call. As always, thanks, and your guys. support. Thank you. Thank you, Jack. Um, Brand playing Johnny Be Good. We're talking about the children and them having language. We're talking about all this stuff. So, David, it's a good time to transition to you for a moment here and, and hear your fascinating tale of how you won this contest to, yeah. to, to create the languages there. Uh, let's start with Dothraki. Sure. You're, ta you're tasked with this, or, or you, you decide to enter this contest and, and, and this journey. How do you even begin? Well, um, you know, I'd been creating languages for about 10 years beforehand. So I was, uh, that part I was pretty well set on. I kind of knew what to do there. Uh, what was different this time was that I was going to be working with uh, somebody else's material. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, actually all of us who were uh, competing for the job, we kind of uh, worked together to find all of the Dothraki stuff that was in the books. 
uh, there were only four out right then, and there was only Dothraki material in the first three. Um, so we gathered all that stuff, um, and that was pretty easy to do. Um, and uh, so single words, it's like, whatever, that's fine. Sure. It, you, can, you can look at all that stuff and figure out how the sound system is supposed to work. Um, pretty, pretty easy, pretty standard. Uh, then um, any time that there's two words that come next to one another and have some sort of a grammatical meaning, mm-hmm. other than the fact that you just said two words in a row, but they actually mean something, uh, there's grammar there. Right. And so then the next step was to see if George R. R. Martin's grammar was consistent. Hmm. Um, there were a few. Did you phrases. have to tell him if he wasn't? <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I did not. Okay, there were there were there was like one full sentence. Mm-hmm. The rest of them were just kind of phrases, like gotcha. you know, a strong boy, the sore foot king. Um, mm. uh, the only full sentence was a prince rides inside me. Mm. Uh, so I looked at all that and discovered, uh, thankfully. That it was very consistent. Uh, that is, the most important part of the phrase always comes first, the less important part comes second, so the modifier comes second. And that was consistent throughout every single Dothraki phrase. So I was grateful for that. Mm. Um, so I started there and then just started to build out the language. And as for um, you know what I did at that point, the constraints of this uh, competition uh, were such that there was a minimum requirement. Mm. But there was no maximum requirement. <laughs> so I, I was just looking at this, and I was like, okay, somebody has to do it. <laughs> somebody has to be the asshole that sits there and spends every waking hour working on this thing to produce the largest, most detailed proposal of all. Right. And I said, well, it might as well be me. And how, how many long hours was it? do you think you put into that? About uh, between 14 and 18 a day. Woo! For how many days? Uh, the first period was like uh, about uh, two weeks. And then the second period, it was like a week and a half. Wow. And at the end of that time, I had basically the Dothraki language pretty much done. Yeah. Translated all of the material in the pilot script. What does done oh. mean? No. Um, done means like every word in English? No, 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 no. So uh, there, there was about there was no over, sweet summer child. Yeah, there, there was over three hundred pages of material there mm. that they that uh, Dave and Dan had to consider, um, and my goal incidentally was that they would look at how much I'd done and feel so bad sure. about turning me down that they would just <laughs> probably just weigh every job. proposal on Absolutely. a scale and say, yeah. "Oh, you have yours this much time." Best. Now you said you also you gave them the pilot translated into yeah. Dothraki. Yes, <laughs> that's well, awesome. Oh, oh, oh no, no, no. Oh, I'm sorry, not the whole thing. No, no, no. The, just uh, the lines that we'd been asked to translate. Oh, yeah. okay. okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be cool. Be like, here, this whole thing if you they wrote were all is different, the other language. Lord. Yeah, but um, I did give them a bunch of extra material. I didn't yeah. know how television shows worked at the time. Right. So I basically created a whole bunch of what would be ADR material that I just wrote and translated for them. I gave them all these notes. I figured out after a while what was and was not going to be used right. and what was not not was and was not going to be useful. Um, but yeah, to get back to your question, um, a language is more than just the words. Uh, the language is the grammar, mm-hmm. essentially. So I count a, a language as being done. Uh, when the grammar is fleshed out enough that it could potentially translate anything if mm. the words were there. I mean, if all that you have to do is like, you know, for translating like, you know, the ingredients on the back of a box of cereal, if all you need is words for like, you know, monosodium <laughs> or whatever, you know, then it's like, all right, whatever. You just have to find find that word and plug it in. The grammar is done. Sure. Mm. So. Was there a language that you kind of took comparisons from that you kind of like uh, thought it was similar to at all? Is that cheating and conlanging? Uh, not cheating, it's <laughs> plagiarism. Okay. Um, but, um, <laughs> but no, like I, I, I drew inspiration directly from the stuff that George R. R. Martin did. Okay. So it was like, I, I looked at what he had done. And I said, all right, so, I mean, the, the, the heading is going to be consistent. That is, you know, the most important part is always going to come first. Uh, but beyond that, uh, just from the little bits that were there, the fact that you have, uh, you know, uh, Prince Rides Inside Me, Anha Dothrai Maranha, and then you have the Dothraki, and then Vice Dothrak. It's like, all right, you see what's happening here. There's, there's going to be stems, and there's going to be suffixes, and they're going to be modified in, in a certain mm-hmm. way. And it's probably not going to be an agglutinating language where you have huge old long words. It's right. like, nah, they're pretty mannerly words. It would be really strange if uh, the language I created had all these huge old long words, and then the stuff in the book was just 
just these short words coming in. So <laughs> and it like, fits yeah. their culture of being like really yeah. direct and to the point. Yeah, yeah. so, so I, a lot flowery. So I followed I followed basically his example. Yeah. Um, and then and after and then after you got the Dothraki language, did they then come to you and said, okay, now we also need Valyrian, or was it done kind mm. of side by side? That was done. Uh, well, I th- I suspected that they were going to need Valyrian, so I started working on it actually. I started working <laughs> on it. When you got bored with Dothraki, he's rolling up your sleeves and getting to work. Yeah, because I knew it was going to be tough. I knew it was going to be tough, and I knew it had to be right mm. because that's the one that people, everybody was excited about. But uh, they didn't actually ask me for it until after season two, uh, as they were prepping for season three. Mm. Uh, but uh, I was really excited that, that they did. I still think that my high point for the entire series was episode uh, four from season three, when Danny reveals that she speaks Valyrian. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Kras- uh, yeah, Krasnus. Yeah, yeah. that's a, that's one of the best sequences in the show. That's that's her moment. Yeah, it's a great moment. It was so good. They kept doing it over and over. Again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know this language. You speak yes, I do. So I got to ask you. I mean, uh, especially season one where. There's uh, seems like the highest volume of, of Dothraki yeah, being told this season till this one. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, are you are you on set for any of it? Do you have any kind of ability to be like they're saying it right? Do they con- confer with you during that? I can say it's wrong when it when it airs. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe they need you over there. You uh, hear that, Momoa? Yes. Yeah, there you go. Oh, that guy is good, by the way. Yeah, I love yeah. that dude. <sighs> I'm still I'm still holding out hope that somewhere in like the end of book eight. It's going to be he comes back and saves everybody. It could nice. happen according to the prophecy. Uh, yeah. We don't could know. Happen. She went, uh, we do have a question on, on Twitter for you, David. Uh, mm-hmm. Joanna uh, J.M. Hicks asks, is the language that you created for the children of the forest the same as the language of the giants? Can you talk a little bit about that? Okay, uh, it is not. Um, ah. So that was a different one. So yeah, I did create a language for the giants oh with that gosh. one line. <laughs> I didn't know how much they wanted. Yeah. What other languages did you create? Okay, so it was just those, those four. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, the five if you include the children and the men. But I'm sorry, children of the forest. Yeah. Um, so the children of the forest are supposed to speak the true tongue. Hmm. And the true tongue isn't related to any of the other languages that we see. So the giants are actually speaking their version of the old tongue. It's basically a bastardized version mm. of the old tongue. And the old tongue is what the first men spoke. Gotcha. Okay. So, um, so yeah, the, the children of the forest spoke something different, the true tongue. Wow, oh, that, well, Joanna, I, I, you got an answer, and that's a great answer there. Uh, this is a, it's fascinating because it's such a key part of the show, and it's the execution of season one. I think if if that language had been done wrong, and the actors and Momo mm. himself couldn't deliver in the right way, we might have all been like, ah, this is a it's weird WB show. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so natural, and and uh, and that. Oh, question uh, coming in here. I'm watching Thrones on Twitter. Hashtag watching Thrones. Tyler Stark asks, did you study any of uh, Tolkien's uh, languages along the way? Tolkien's languages. Uh, I learned about them after I started creating languages. Okay. So I didn't, I didn't grow up reading Tolkien, but of course I knew about them. Sure. Uh, mainly from watching that that animated one, The Hobbit. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and my friend was big into him. But even though I knew about Tolkien, I had no idea that he created languages hmm. um, until I found other language creators and learned from them. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was actually kind of annoyed by it because everybody's talking about <laughs> Tolkien. I'm like, talking about that Hobbit dude? <laughs> <laughs> Saying he created languages, are you what? kidding me? And then Lord so, of the what? Yeah, I know. So, <laughs> But I started looking into it, and it's like, of course, he was like one of the first ones ever to create an artistic language. That mm-hmm. is, he just created language for the love of it, and he did uh, a really extraordinary job, sure. especially mm-hmm. for not having any other contacts that created languages. We all right. have a community to bounce ideas off of. He didn't. He didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did a great my, job. my final question to you for this segment there, do you and, and the rest of your uh, fine uh, creators of languages sit around and just have contests to see who can create the best weird one over a couple drinks? <laughs> well, <laughs> let me tell you about one competition you do, because this is a lot of fun. Uh, it's uh, it's something we call a relay, and what you do is somebody starts off with a text in their created language, and they send the text and just uh, a lexicon and notes, grammar notes. You have to translate <laughs> awesome. it, then translate it into your own language, oh and gosh. send that oh, on to the next person yeah. with notes. So that by the time like 13, 14 people have done this, the the text at the end is just ridiculous <laughs> um, and hilarious. Yeah. We've, we've done like uh, 17 or 18 of these. Um, that is awesome. Yeah. It's, it's like a, the it's highest concept event. game of telephone ever, ever played. Pretty much. <laughs> That's awesome. David, wow. thanks, thanks so much for the insight here. And sure. uh, you guys keep sending your questions in and we'll get to them. We do. Uh, the time we've left, there's so much more to get to. And what was great about this episode, too, and you and I were talking about Spencer, it was kind of old school in the sense of not a lot of storylines, just big reveals and big moments that we got mm. to spend some time we with. We got to take some big meaty bites out of some things. Uh, I feel like the first four episodes 
had a fair amount of setup, and yeah. now it seems like in this episode it was focusing a lot on uh, the North and in this uh, and the past. And this next episode is going to focus mostly on King's Landing. So mm. I'm excited because it seems like things are finally coming together. They are coming together. And speaking of the North, the North better remember as they uh, John and, and Sansa need some help. First, the show no. started, Michelle, with the scene we all kind of were talking about next, last week of what we were looking forward to. Uh, Sansa running down to Molestown while Baelish took a jet up to Molestown mm-hmm. to meet <laughs> for this confrontation. <laughs> Uh, take me through that confrontation. Fulfilling for you? Did you like it? I loved it. I was so excited that Sansa actually wouldn't let him get away with anything. Uh, mm-hmm. Brienne made him answer her questions. He wasn't allowed to dodge. He couldn't just sit there and look silent. He just uh, he just kind of sat there and looked uncomfortable. And uh, you know, we still yeah. we still don't know for sure just how much Littlefinger knew about Ramsay. But even with this question of did he cut you, like oh. You knew something, you ass. You knew enough. You knew enough. enough. You knew (laughs) enough that this was not going to be a good guy. And actually not letting him get away with that was really nice. And I don't trust him one bit when he brings up uh, even that her great uncle, I guess, uh, the Blackfish, also has the army in River Run. Oh, you don't trust him at all. I don't. Why would you? Why would you? I mean, honestly, he didn't. (laughs) He never mentioned that he had an army up there to help her. He never said anything about that. He says, oh, well, if you're going to go away anyway, you know, maybe head down to River Run. No. I don't trust him one and, bit. And, you know, and it's like um, it, crawling into the story now here, just analyzing this as a story. With Baelish, do you guys think, David and Spencer, too, that is Baelish on the ropes here? Clearly is for a moment, but is this part? He's always got this plan. How much does he improvise? Is this kind of things unraveling for him? I mean, it's interesting because everyone's clearly on a need-to-know basis with him. He's not going right. to tell someone anything unless it's part of his plan. Um, I was upset with Sansa in this scene. I mm-hmm. wish she had kind of out Littlefingered Littlefinger, that she had taken his lessons and kind of manipulated him into getting what she wanted out of him. Mm. Instead, she refused what would have given her back Winterfell, and I, I just feel like she went full Stark in this moment, where she's like, no, I'm gonna do the honorable, out-in-the-open thing that's gotten every single person I love killed. But <laughs> she didn't. She lied to John about how she knew about River Runs. She never mentioned that Littlefinger was up so there. She so she Littlefingered she's, John, she's but she Stark Littlefinger. I think she needed that. I think she needed that moment from Littlefinger about sure. like how much did you know? How how mad should I be at you? Basically, like how pissed off am I supposed to be at you in this moment? Mm-hmm. How betrayed was I? And I think she ne- she needed to know like those kinds of details from him in order to kind of move on and figure out what her next step was going to be. But I wish she had taken the lesson of like I have this guy in the palm of my hand now, so I'm going to get what I need out of him and then throw him away, not just like I'm going to do the start thing later. Skate. <laughs> I think she had a bit of a moment where she threatened him and kind of went, sure. you know what? Yeah, you may think you have all the power. If I tell Brienne to go all crazy on you, there's yeah. nothing you can do. Also, was she pregnant? Did she drop a little pregnancy hint? With, like, I, really I can still feel not. it inside me. I can feel I, it. I think that was just supposed to be an uncomfortable moment, but yeah. I sure as hell hope I not. I took it uncomfortable for that meme, but I didn't, I didn't think that. Uh, yeah. David, your thoughts on Baelish here in this moment? Uh, as a viewer, I really, really wanted her to just swing the sword there. Mm. Um, Take a little chunk yeah. off. Yeah, a lot of people and, do. And so I, I, I get what you're saying, but at the same time, she could have done that. Mm-hmm. She could have just, and I think that would have been honestly the stupidest thing that she could have done, was just to absolutely just execute him right there. And she didn't do that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. she was being at least a little smart. <laughs> yeah. I'll say that. I, though I wish, gosh, you know, it, it would have been so wonderful if she just would have had uh, Brienne just put him down and shave that little mustache <laughs> off. We wouldn't have to deal with that for the rest of the series. Just scalp him a little bit. Just a little bit. So Santa comes back with this information. They need an army. John and everyone, uh, Melisandre Davos and Tormund sitting there. They need an army. They're short of men. The Wildling army isn't going to work for them. And and there's not a lot lot left to choose from. We say the North remembers. We hope they remember. Yeah. Because we're looking at the map here that John's got. We got the Manderleys uh, mentioned uh, really prominently here in this episode. We know that Davos maybe has something to do on Bear Island with the Mormonts. Um, what's our take on what they're doing? Oh, and, I'm, and Brienne's going to River Run now. We do know that uh, the Blackfish is there. Blackfish tr- has entered the game. He's entered, re-entered the game. That was the longest piss he's ever taken. At the <laughs> um, uh, so, guys, let's talk about strategy going forward here, getting in the story here and rolling up our sleeves on what John and team are, are going to do and have to do. Well, yeah, I, I guess uh, I was still just so emotionally crippled 
uh, from Hunter. I was like, wait, where are they going? What just happened? So uh, I'm probably pretty the wrong guy to ask on this part. Where is John going? He's going to the smaller houses. He's going to yeah. smaller houses. I had to rewatch it. And I think what's happening is Brienne is going to River Run, and then the rest of them are going south to kind of gather up the other northern houses. So it doesn't look like anyone's headed quite towards the Manderleys just yet. I'm not sure. She might send different people to, yeah, like the Mormonts yeah. or maybe even down to White and Harbor to grab them. And who was the and cool it, guy that I hope is a traitor? It was that Umber. Small John. That was yeah. Small John Umber. Yeah. Umber. Umber. Okay. An interesting day because a lot of people, the theories, and I'm sure we all have our here, is that, oh, the Umbers are faking it. It's not even, that wasn't even Shaggy Dog. Mm. And then Osha gets killed and now yeah. Sansa's like, nah, screw them. Um, the Karstarks are the one that might have a choice and Davos was like, yeah, you cut off your That's the one. Yeah. So uh, they need some help. Uh, and I guess our predictions have to be about where where we think they're going to get them and, and, and can they get them in time? And how, See, again, how does yeah. the army of the veil factor in with Baelish? I did think that was a stark moment from Sansa where she was being all insistent that no, the North remembers and all these houses are going to be loyal to us. And everyone's mm. like, I don't Davos think her with the reality so, check. Yeah. <laughs> all right. But, you know, she does at least remember there are other northern houses and that they still might have a shot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I am not, I'll tell you this, I'm yeah. not excited about the prospect of a, a huge battle uh, mm. for, for Winterfell. I, as, mm. as a viewer who likes the Starks, and I'll, and I'll tell you why, because these things never seem to go well for them. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just imagining that, you know, they, they do gather their army and, and, they, and they go and, and the rug is pulled out from under them one more time. Um, and I just like, I don't know if I could take that. It's like Charlie Brown the football. Uh, uh, yeah. they, they just keep riding out to their own death. And we talk often on the show about the sins of the Starks and, and I mean, Bran makes some big sins here. Yeah. I mean, the Mark allowing them in, a Hodor, yeah. which, you know, might be a mistake for destiny versus free will and mistakes and all that stuff. But yeah, then Sansa, the, the, the the sins of the Starks, they're, they're too noble. Use the Knights of the Veil. They're right there. They're fresh. I they can it, clearly teleport if Baelish is with them. <laughs> I guess it matters whether or not uh, John is going to be a better commander than Rob was. Because right. Rob won a whole crap load yeah. of battles John back in the day. John defend the wall. He's proven yeah. himself so he, I think he's going to be better than Rob was, and so maybe they'll have a shot. But he knows yeah. that he needs all these armies in order to have that shot. Right. He can't just okay. jump in and, the bolts. Rob, Rob was pretty good, so if you're better than yeah. Rob, you're good. He, I'm he hoping. Was, My fingers are crossed. But look, our fans would kill us if we didn't spend a moment on any you can uh, bring up any picture we have again there, JT, of Tormund and Brienne. <laughs> She's leaving, so I don't think it's gonna happen. Maybe <laughs> the best picture in the history of Game of Thrones. Oh man! Everything oh, with this is. I was rewatching the uh, the oh, episode man. right before this when he she walks into the Castle Black, rides in, and he sees her for the first time. Love at first sight. Then oh. the eating the chicken in the most provocative of men. <laughs> and I love the way she was trying to talk about him. The, 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 the guy with the beard. Oh, you know his name. Sauce is just like, oh yeah, it's Tormund. Don't act like you don't know. <laughs> just a great moment. That even uh, so even amongst all this this big stuff that's going on, we can have these fun character moments. It's been some of my favorite. I ship it. You ship it indeed. I think a lot of people. Guys, King's Moot. Let's talk about King's Moot. Having a mood. Get hype. Us book readers, we're looking forward to this moment. We previewed it last week, and it shows up. Did it live up to the hype? David, did you like this moot? Hold on. Wait. I, I'm, I'm now getting lost with Hodor here. What are we talking about? King's Moot. King's Moot. You're on, uh, on and the Iron Great Oh, oh right, 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 right. Okay, so we lost We teleported one of, to Pike. I, yeah, we lost one of the competitors, correct? Yes. 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 Okay, so it was just uh, the two of them. I'll tell you what I liked about it. Uh, something that I liked about it in the book mm-hmm. was that at least, uh, and again, it's been a while since I read the book, but I remember, uh, you know, first there was What's-His-Face, um, yeah. and then people were getting really excited about, um, do we see Asha or Yara? Either right. Yara, 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 Yara. Yara. It's a show. Okay, yeah. all right. We're get, yeah, we're get, everybody's getting really excited about Yara, and I like the way that they replicated that. Because people were really getting into it. It's like, uh, first, you know, they were getting excited as she was talking about what she's going to do. Then the guy says, oh, but you're a woman. And then we have Theon come up, who does a really credible job of not just standing by his sister, but also actually getting people excited about this. And so one of the things I loved about the book was that we had this excitement, and then basically 
the rug is again just tore out right mm-hmm. from under her. Right. And I think this was done perfectly with with uh, you know with with the broiest Euron Greyjoy <laughs> that the world has ever seen. Yeah, he like a good politician wins with great sound bites as we see now here. And we're watching now the moment here where, where Theon finally maybe returns to being Theon. He's finally over over this. He makes a great choice. He's it's not about his ego anymore, which he was yeah. in season one. Uh, maybe got him into all that trouble here. But Euron still wins. They still the ships, which is a, a big thing. Or do you think now we've got this big race to Daenerys, or are you oh, are where they're headed? Yeah, it's yeah, probably yeah. the only place they're safe as Ironborn. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a little disappointed. I thought that they both had kind of the same platform that they were running on. They did, um, and Yara just wanted to do something slightly less crazy with all the ships they were going to build. So right. I don't quite get why you're on one, except you know, bros before whatever. Uh, pretty yeah. much. I, well, I, I think that he had a more specific plan. Even if it wasn't a better plan, he was like, "This is specifically what I'm going to do." It was kind of Trumpy. He's like, "I'm going to go over there, and she's going to pay for it." And I'm gonna marry, and we're, it's all gonna be great. I'm gonna make the Iron Islands great again. Yeah, yeah you're right. That was pretty yeah. much it. That literally, his platform was Trump. It was a little pie in the sky. Yeah, but, uh, and I, I did miss from the books that uh, there was no treasure being spilled, that there were no gifts being given, oh, that it was yeah. pretty. That was a small little thing. It, in this case, in the show, it was only about the yeah. speeches, which was a little disappointing. But I, I did really enjoy Theon's speech and great acting from both him and mm-hmm. the actress who plays Yara. Sorry, actress. Uh, uh, Gemma Whalen. Thank Gemma, you, Gemma. Gemma, Gemma. Gemma Whalen, uh, because they just the back and forth. You could see a little bit of reek in Theon still, but you could see him kind of trying to be there for his sister, and you could see his, and you could see Yara not really sure if uh, Theon was going to back her until the last possible right. second. So yeah. I, I really enjoyed that, and then then Euron had to come in and be like, "Oh yeah, dude, yeah, your dad, yeah, I totally killed him." <laughs> yeah. That's totally bad. Like yeah. this is like three for three of people being cool about their lords being killed. <laughs> we got Dorne, we got uh, Roos, and now oh, yeah. we have. Balon and everyone's just like, yeah, okay, that's just what happens. <laughs> uh, what about the crown? Because I'm, I'm seeing a picture coming across. Uh, TX Fim Fatales checking in again. Uh, the, the Pinterest fail with you the mean? with no with the crown with the crown. Yeah, the Pinterest uh, fail crown. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, I get it now. That driftwood um, piece of crap. So Euron nearly drowns. You got uh, Aaron De- uh, Greyjoy there drowning him. Which All right, the way. let's just You're debate. Right. I want to just debate the crown. I, I, I think it needs a jewel or some seaweed. You guys think it's all right? I, need, I think it just needs more. If you're going to have a driftwood crown, fine, cool. It's plain, but make it make it more? Make it more driftwood. There's cooler yeah. things in the sea. Do it doesn't scream regal to me. Yeah, throw a couple pearls in there, maybe a jellyfish hanging off the back. Something, <laughs> yeah. All right, <laughs> then I have to take the descending opinion. Do it. I love it. <laughs> and I will tell you why. I can see the floor to you, sir. Especially, especially with what we see with the Greyjoys on the show. It's just the bare bones minimum. Mm. It looks so awful there. Yeah. Like pretty much at all times. It's like everything is just barely, you know, hobbled, you know, cobbled together. And so it's like it's it's basically a piece of wood in a circle. And they're like, <laughs> there it is. There it is. <laughs> Ironborn. <laughs> There you That's go. Salt chair. We do not reap. We do not sow. Or we reap. We do not sow. We don't make pretty crowns. <laughs> but, uh, Just take a piece of wood off the beach yeah. and uh, brush the clams off of it. It's you're all on, uh, wood. I love it. You're on wins. I'm saying, hey, I, I wasn't born to be king. I paid the iron price. That got them going. And they got that big mission. And there's a big confrontation coming. I'm sure we're going to uh, hear more about that in the time we have remaining. There's so much still to get to. Aria. Uh, the, the, the story yeah. of Aria, sometimes uh, you either love it, you don't like it, it's boring, but you still like the history of it. We got some stuff here. We got the history of the Faceless Men hinted at here, that there was uh, they had something to do with the starting of Bravos, which is a shorter version of what the, the book has put out there. Um, it's just kind of easier to, to put it out there like that. And, and uh, she, she gets a, mis- a mission. And the mission is to basically kill someone pretending to be Cersei, which could mean a lot more later on. And then she gets to go watch the uh, the <laughs> their version of Game of Thrones. There's probably a, a, a breakdown show after that play. Uh, and Richard E. Grant, uh, Richard e. Grant uh, showing up in a uh, great uh, appearance here as the lead actor in this play. Uh, guys, let's, let's go through this, break this down for a second there. Uh, is this a test for Arya? 
Uh, is this part of her still having to lose her identity? This being thrown in her face? What do we think about this? I think it was a test, absolutely, 100%. Yeah. I mean, she had, you knew that uh, Jack and Hakar knew what kind of play this was going to be, and it's just a coincidence that she happens to go and have to watch this play to find out who the actress is that she's sent there to kill. Right. Like that's just, I think it's just another test of whether or not she truly is known or she's still back to being a Stark. Mm-hmm. Especially when she starts asking Jack and about, like, oh, well, this actress seems kind of cool. She seems kind of nice. Do we have to kill her? Yeah. And and, and there seems to be some, with Jack and Hagar saying some stuff and, and the Waif saying some stuff, like, hey, you know, maybe you might not be fit to be a faceless man. Um, you know, I don't know if that factor, we always talk about, is she going to just disappear completely into this? And where? how does that factor into the story? So maybe this sets up her leaving. I don't know. I'm just I, glad she's not stick fighting anymore. Um, yes. This was oh, episode God. five of stick fighting. <laughs> and clearly the faceless men think it's all going to come down to the sticks at some point. Um, so hopefully that'll pay off. The waif is uh, pretty unpopular for a lot of people, David. What is it about her? Well, I'll, I'll tell you the thing that annoys me the most. She is all, uh, they're all about, you know, like, we have no personalities. We have no names, blah, 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 blah. That that blonde-haired girl has the strongest personality and ego I think I have ever <laughs> yeah, seen. That's Faceless yeah. man, my that's a good ass. point. That's a good point. Yeah. It's not just a, a flippant joke there. That she is very, she is someone. Yeah. Because she has a point of view. There's something something there. Oh, she's Super someone. someone. Absolutely. Super someone. So uh, we got that to deal with. I thought it was great. It was a good moment. Yeah. It was fun to watch. I always like to watch their forms of entertainment back <laughs> Yeah, then. the play was oh, so cool. The play it's a piece was of very well done. It's a piece of propaganda to yeah. just show you from a different point of view. All the heroes and villains are swapped in this world. Yeah. So this was a pro-Joffrey, anti-Stark. It was just spitting in the face of the audience, right. which was Arya, who was... Also playing Arya during that play, yeah. uh, in a very meta point. sense, she was watching it just the same way she watched yeah. her dad's execution in real life. Yeah. yeah. Mind blown. Yeah. No well, time travel needed. Well <laughs> done, guys. Well yeah. done. Uh, we also got to meet Kenvara, the new high priestess. Well, not new. Mm-hmm. She's oh, yeah. been around for a while. Uh, we got ourselves a new red woman. Uh, she is kind of the head chief. She's the one that kind of makes uh, makes the assignments. She's in charge. Uh, here she Can't is. Can't wait to see her final form. The, yeah. same <laughs> the old deflated necklace. bag. It's actually a 500 <laughs> year old man underneath <laughs> that jewel there. Um, uh, this was a very interesting scene to me because it, it starts as Tyrion trying to do some political campaigning. Hey, Danny needs a voice, some people to say, hey, she's alright, she's got your freedom. Um, she got your freedom, but it turns into something a little bigger and darker. Yeah, a little Kinvara, more magic. More magic, was on more magic. Board, and then all of a sudden Varys is like, oh yeah, I hate all sorcerers, I hate all magic, and I'm going to try to call you out on it, and it fails miserably. It's probably I just the first time I've ever right. seen Varys speechless. Uh, you, <laughs> I, I thought we had already done this where we build up the red priestesses as having this special insight and then the rugs pulled out from under them and none of the prophecies are correct and when you die you just right. die but no we have a talking penis that she traveled back in time to I guess <laughs> listen in on and be like oh do you want to know what your penis said when they burnt it I wanted to hear I wanted I was like give me the answer and I knew they weren't but I, I wanted to hear what that voice said yeah. it, 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 I just wish Varys had a win there <laughs> what do we think about the 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 these uh, these red priests and priestesses throwing their hat in the ring for both John Melisandre? We've heard her say he's the prince uh, that was promised, uh, and now we got uh, Kinvar and some other people. We had the the male red priest earlier in the season saying it's it's Danny. Any thoughts on... Yeah, I've just never heard of a religion with, like, kind of a freelance savior. Like, whoever seems to kind of fit the uh, fit the demo gets to be the savior of the religion. Um, I'm anti, unsurprisingly. You're anti. They, they, they know a ton of stuff, but it seems like they don't know quite enough. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, first of all, they're all very experienced grifters mm-hmm. and, and con persons. Uh, so they're really good at that, but it seems like they're also getting some information. So I want to throw this back to the beginning and say, maybe yeah. it's Bran telling them all this stuff. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, gosh, no. Time loop. Oh, no. Uh, Randall Sands on Twitter saying, the new Red Woman was so interesting, she surprised me with making Varys speechless, which is a good point. He, yeah. he often is not uh, rendered speechless, but he was. I think it's a little fascinating to me, the religions, and, and you've done a great video, M- Michelle, on your YouTube page explaining some of the religions. And I like the idea that maybe even the Jagan was talking about the faceless men and it's all the same to the face uh, the god of many faces that this could all be just about one religion with different interpretations and names attached to the deities and this could just be the battle of of ice and fire mm-hmm. and the great other which goes back to the children of the forest possibly maybe they're worshiping the other oh my god it gets it, it gets, gets all so over murky. the place uh final thing we want to talk about before we take some calls and uh, wrap up this part we are going to be live after on facebook as we were last week 
Guys, big moment for me this week. Oh, big moment. Your man, your man. Yeah. Jorah finally got to say I love you to Danny. Unfortunately, <laughs> he couldn't even hug her goodbye. I have no analysis on this. I don't care what he does after this point. He just finally got to say it. Just, that's all I want to say. But you noticed the moment that hooked her is when he walked away, when he's like, I'm not going to be so desperately chasing you anymore. Isn't I'm going to turn around, and then it's a lesson to be learned, Ken, just Wait, saying. you know about that trick? <laughs> yeah. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> it was a big moment for me, guys. I, was, uh, I, was, I, I had to watch that a few times. A few times. I don't even know. Like, I seriously don't even know or care. I think Jorah's going to survive. Whether he finds a cure or not, it seems weird that he would. I know Stannis did, but that's a lot of money, and catching it early with Shireen. I don't know. It's like chicken pox. It's not quite the same when you're a kid versus when you're an adult. And yeah. I don't know. Does it work? Like, can he can he touch other things with his non-infected hand, or is it like a body-wide thing? Like, right. who knows? Yeah. <laughs> See, the problem is that those vaccines they only protect against certain strands of grayscale. <laughs> yeah. you know? And I heard it causes autism. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, uh, we got. So we have some calls Jorah. still on here. We're gonna. We're gonna take some calls. All right. You are on Watching Thrones live. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hi. My name is Aaron. I'm from Wichita, Kansas. Hey, Aaron. Aaron. Uh, I love it. Aaron, what's on your mind today? Sure. Um, this is kind of getting into a little bit of what you've been discussing so far, but I'm wondering how, like, who's going to help Bran now that he's left the tree? It feels like where they left off, like they're just wandering off into the, into the wilderness. And so I guess my theory, I'll play my card up front, Mm -hmm. is that I think this is where Benjen Stark comes back. We'll, we'll, um, put, we'll, we'll put a slight uh, spoiler tag out there for anyone who maybe hasn't read the books and next week doesn't want to be Aaron. It's almost like you read my format because we're about to talk about what's coming next week. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. I think I think Mira and Bran can't get the th- through this alone, and I think they're going to get some help. So without, I don't know, Benjamin Stark's been put out there by Aaron. What do you guys think? Aaron, you read the Reddit thread, didn't you? That, I'm with you. I got you on this. <laughs> no, then you're better than me. I, uh, I, I think because there's there's referencing a little bit in uh, the season six trailer of something that looks like Mirren and Bran sitting there in the snow and someone riding along and taking out a white walker with some fire, with some swinging fire. Uh, it's literally like a quarter of a second scene. But yeah, uh, yeah people are theorizing that that's what might be happening next week. Kind of a little bit of a do us ex Benjen to come in and... <laughs> I uh, think it, it is going to be uh, Hodor and Summer come back as a white, and uh, the nec- the last 20 minutes of next episode are just going to be them eating bran. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and Mira just going, I'm so sorry. sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I did this. I did this. Aaron, uh, I, I agree with you. I think this is, uh, we're finally going to get that moment. Uh, whether or not it's, it's uh, you know, another name, I, I think it's Benjen, and, and I think uh, there's some, some significance to seeing Ned and, and Benjen as young children when Ned's being sent off to the veil in that scene mm. where, where Willis becomes Hodor. Um, I think it's all time together. Time loop or not. Right. I mm-hmm. think Ned is coming back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Aaron, thanks so much thanks, for the Aaron. call. Thanks for listening. Uh, Lon, we'll, uh, we'll let you reset and maybe take another call here uh, as we move on. Um, uh, yeah, next week. I, you said something great about that trailer for next week, Spencer. Yeah. Oh Share sure, yeah. Uh, did I? I don't remember, but <laughs> it looks like uh, it looks like we're gonna have blood in the streets, and uh, I'm pretty excited for this because uh, I want both sides to lose. Um, yeah. I I don't like the snooty elites. I don't like the religious fundamentalists. I hope that uh, mm, yeah. I, I'm really cheering for uh, a King's Landing bloodbath. Absolutely, and the fact that they didn't show a lot. Yeah, and they didn't show. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, they they really didn't show us much from the next episode, which makes me think that they're reserving a big set piece for us that we don't see coming, but now do see coming because I just told you to expect it. <laughs> <laughs> we got another caller here. One more caller today. You're on Watching Thrones. Yo, what's up, guys? Hey, hey. where are you calling from? What's your name? I'm from Houston, Texas. My name is Ricardo Banda. Calling you guys from my hospital room. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Hospital I was gonna right say. Now. All right. Well. Oh my gosh. Uh, get well or stick in there. Hang in there. I'm so glad you're you you can uh, be distracted by our show here, uh, Ricardo. Yeah, uh, I thank you guys on uh, all you guys on Screen Junkies. I, it gets so boring in the damn hospital. <laughs> you guys like, give, give us give me. A bunch of entertainment all week. Okay. Thank you, dude. Hey, thanks yeah. for uh, thanks for uh, uh, sticking with us here. What, what's on your mind today? Uh, the only uh, about yes, last night's episode uh, when Brand and Mira they take off mm-hmm. in, into the north somewhere, 
do you think they're gonna have they're gonna have to have some type of protection? Yeah. Do you think they introduced cold hands or Benjamin Stark back into play? Yeah, well that's exactly what we we're just breaking down while you were calling in. So yeah, I I absolutely think, Ricardo, that that's what we're gonna get. What do you think? Well, if you introduce cold cold hands, I mean you would have to introduce the character and give him a whole story. But I think it's much more easier just to bring back Benjamin Stark, a character mm. we already know. Yeah, you, you I'm were with thinking you. like a TV you show producer. No <laughs> I'm with you. I feel like at this point they're starting to streamline more characters down yeah. into people that we find familiar, and it makes more sense to go back to a character that we already know and right. got a little bit of a reintroduction when John got yeah. snapped. Scott so stopped. Maybe it's just Nymeria riding a horse. That's what oh, I want. Ooh, I want Nymeria coming in and just blazing a trail. Maybe it's the Sand Snakes. Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe it's. <laughs> <laughs> Ricardo, Ricardo thanks for calling in. I do want to ask you before I let you go, Ricardo. How did you? Uh, did, did, how did you take the news about Hodor? Did you cry? Did, did your man cry? What did you do? Absolutely not. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I did shed a tear last week when John and Sansa got together. Yeah, oh, yes. yeah. that got a lot of us. Uh, Ricardo, thank you so much for calling in. Hang in there. Keep watching us on Screen Junkies. Thanks, we Ricardo. Appreciate it. Uh, guys, as we wrap up, we do every week our death count here. We'll just go over kind of, there was a big death, big death. So uh, we got to say goodbye to Leaf, child mm-hmm. of the children, the one who may have created the problem that killed her. Uh, Summer, as we're watching her self-sacrifice here. Possibly all the children of the forest. Possibly all the children of the forest. We got to believe that. Summer. Uh, goes the uh, one of the last remaining direwolves, Brendan Rivers, of course, three-eyed raven. He passes on the story. If you're not familiar with the story, the three-eyed raven and Brendan Rivers and his part in some of the uh, the Blackfire Rebellion and him going to the Wall, becoming a Lord Commander and and, and absconding that title and, and heading north and becoming a Green Seer. It's fascinating stuff. Um, so actually, I, I I didn't really shed a tear, but there was a little little tag, uh, pull on my my uh, tug on my. Uh, book reader nerd heart because this is a fascinating character fascinating story he passes on and of course save it for the prequels oh, and, then, and then of course Willis. Hodor 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 serves his purpose he holds that damn and door like on. there's no great tomorrow. performance like by that kid oh. yes yeah. great performance by the yeah. by uh, Isaac too but a kid who plays I, Bran just White, yeah. that guilt and just horror over what he's doing to this poor kid this sequence was done so well and I know it got a lot of people because it was done so well in the build up and, and, and the story oh. yeah. and, and, and Hodor bought him like a minute and a half <laughs> I know <laughs> same thing with Summer it was like you all could have just kept running oh. Benjamin does come in next episode you gotta wonder if Mirren's like, you couldn't have gotten here Where five minutes you? ago? Right. It was Dude. On, I was on union lunch break. Uh, Spencer, <laughs> Spencer, did we learn anything this week? We learned something. Uh, we learned that Ironborn or not, everyone should know CPR. Uh, you guys, you need to uh, clear the airway. You need to take five to ten seconds to check for breathing. Then you want to pump your hands at about a hundred beats per minute, which is to the tune Stand of staying alive. alive, staying alive. Ah, 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 ah. You know, that could be the difference between you becoming king of the Iron Islands or having your empty eye sockets hollowed out by a crab. So, guys, yeah. summer's almost over at Game of Thrones, but summer's just beginning here in America, so safety <laughs> never takes a holiday. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Get to your CPR training class right now, and you might become king of the Iron Island, Spencer. Uh, that is a valuable lesson for us to learn. Guys, uh, we did it as best we could with so much going on. I know on Twitter you guys are still talking. You can join that conversation all week long. Hashtag Watching Thrones by following us on Twitter. And uh, after this, in just a few minutes, we're going to be on the Screen Junkies official Facebook page for a special Facebook Live edition where we'll be talking some of the main points today. Uh, and uh, power-packed episode, Spencer, thanks again for your insight and uh, join us as always tell them where they can follow you and your adventures uh, you can find me hating on all things fantasy related in a fantasy <laughs> show like an idiot uh, and here on Screen Junkies at Spencer J. Gilbert absolutely Michelle <laughs> YouTube, Twitter and Instagram all at at Michelle Boyd and David J. Peterson our special guest today we appreciate you making the trip out thanks a lot where can they find you uh, over on Twitter and Tumblr Daedalus but it's spelled in the Latin way D-E-D-A-L-V-S and then you can find me at my website uh, artoflanguageinvention.com and there's so much more I, I'm sure we could talk to you for a very long time about the language. we didn't even here. talk about Littlefinger's accent how to pronounce Cersei <laughs> I have so many questions still so how much stuff there language and you talk out the side of your mouth yeah <laughs> but we really appreciate you coming in taking the time and breaking down the show with us and giving us your insights. And All right. I'm waiting. I still want to hear the children speak. I want it to go. I want to hear it. Guys, Cross you can follow fingers. me at Ken Napsock across all social media platforms and uh, join us here each week 
on Watching Thrones as we break down Game of Thrones. As always, I want to thank JTE in the booth, Ryan behind the cameras making us look pretty, and of course, Lon Harris in the booth with his research and uh, a person I can text uh, late at night going, what did the Night King mean? Um, <laughs> he is great into Dark Horse and things from another world for all these fine Game of Thrones collectibles and uh, factory entertainment for the Joffrey crown that we all take turns wearing after the show. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week on Watching Thrones.